Chapter Twenty Two of The Protector by Harold Binloss. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Roger Moline. The Protector by Harold Binloss. Chapter Twenty Two. Evelyn goes for a sail. It was about the middle of the morning, and Vane sat in Nairn's office. Specimens of ore lately received from the mine were scattered about a table, and Nairn had some papers in his hand. "'Well,' he said, when Vane, after examining two or three of the stones, abruptly flung them down. "'The ore's running poorer,' Vane admitted. "'On the other hand, I partly expected this, and there's better stuff in the reef. We're a little too high.' I look for more encouraging results when we start the lower heading. He went into details of the new operations, and when he had finished, Nairn, who had been jotting down some figures, looked up. "'Yon workings will cost a good deal,' he pointed out. "'You'll not be able to make a start until we're sure of the money.' "'We ought to get it.' "'A month or two ago I would have agreed with you.' but general investors are kittle cattle and the applications for the new stock are not numerous the plain english of it is that the mine is not so popular as it was said vane impatiently i'm thinking something of the kind nairn agreed and then proceeded with a cautious explanation the result of the first reduction and the way you forced the concern in the market secured your notice Folks put their money on you, looking for sensational developments, and when the latter are not forthcoming, they feel a bit sore. There's nothing discouraging in our accounts. Even if the ore all ran as poor as that, Vane pointed to the specimens on the table, the mine could be worked on a paying basis. We have issued no statements that could spread alarm. Just so, said Nairn. What was looked for was more than a paying basis. You have not come up to expectations. For be it's my opinion that damaging reports have somehow leaked out from the mine. I see clouds in the horizon. Bendel pledged himself to take up a big block of the shares, pointed out Vane. If Howitson does the same, as he said he would, our position would be secure. As soon as it was known that they were largely interested, others would follow them. Now you have it in a nutshell. It would put a wet blanket on the project if they both backed down. In the meanwhile, we cannot hurry them. Vane rose. We'll leave it at that. I've promised to take Mrs. Nairn and Miss Chisholm for a sail. He went out, and had got rid of the slight uneasiness the interview had occasioned him before he reached the waterfront, where he found Mrs. Nairn and Evelyn awaiting him with Carol in attendance. In another few minutes they were rowing off to the sloop, and as they approached her the elder lady glanced with approval at the craft, which swam, a gleaming ivory shape, upon the shining green brine. "'You have surely been painting the boat,' she said. "'Was that for us?' Vane disregarded the last question. "'She wanted it, and paint's comparatively cheap. 
It was a little thing, but Evelyn was pleased. The girls had not been greatly considered at the dean, and it was flattering to recognize that the man had thought it worth while to decorate his craft in her honor. She did not ask herself if he had wished to please her. He had invited her for a sail some days ago, and he was thorough in everything he did. He handed her and Mrs. Nairn on board, and when they sat down in the well, he and Carroll proceeded to hoist the mainsail. It looked exceedingly large as it thrashed and fluttered above their heads, and there seemed to be a bewildering quantity of ropes, but Evelyn was chiefly interested in watching Vane. He was wonderfully quick, but no movement was wasted. His face was intent, his glances sharp, and she liked the crisp, curt way in which he spoke to Carroll. The man's task was, in one sense, not important, but he was absorbed in it. Then, while Carroll slipped the moorings, he ran up the headsails and, springing aft, seized the tiller as the boat, slanting over, began to forge through the water. It was the first time Evelyn had ever traveled under sail, and, receptive as she was of all new impressions, she sat silent a few minutes, rejoicing in the sense of swift and easy motion. The inlet was crisped by small white ripples, and the boat with her boom broad off on her quarter drove through them, a sparkling wedge of foam on her lee bow, and a stream of froth sluicing past her sides. Overhead the great inclined sail cut, sharply white, against the dazzling blue, and close by her Vane sat gripping the tiller. They swept out through the gate of the narrows, and Vane luffed the boat up to a moderately fresh breeze. "'It's off the land, and we'll have fairly smooth water,' he explained, and added, "'How do you like sailing?' "'It's glorious on a day like this,' she declared, and looked back towards the distant snow. "'If anything more were wanted, there are the mountains, too.' Vane smiled, but there was a suggestive sparkle in his eyes. "'Yes,' he said, "'we have them both, and that's something to be thankful for. The sea and the mountains, the two grandest things in this world.' "'If you think that, how did you reconcile yourself to the city?' "'I'm not sure I've done so,' he indicated the gleaming heights. I'm going back up yonder very soon. Mrs. Nairn glanced at Carroll, who affected to be busy with a rope. Then she turned to Vane. It will not be possible with winter coming on. It's not really so bad, then, Vane declared. Besides, I expect to get my work done before the hardest weathers do. "'But you cannot leave Vancouver until you have settled about the mine.' "'I don't want to,' Vane admitted. "'That's not quite the same thing.' "'It is with a good many people,' Carroll interposed with a smile. In the meanwhile they were driving out to the southwards, opening up the strait, with the forest to port growing smaller and the short seas increasing in size. The breeze was cold, 
but the girl was warmly clad, and the easy motion in no way troubled her. The rush of keen salt air stirred her blood, and all around her were spread wonderful harmonies of silver-laced blue and green, through which the straining fabric that carried her swept on. The mountains were majestic, but except when tempests lashed their crags or torrents swept their lower slopes, they were wrapped in eternal repose. The sea was filled with ecstatic motion. "'The hills have their fascination. It's a thing I know,' she said, to draw the helmsman out. "'I think I should like the sea, too. But at first sight its charm isn't quite so plain.' "'You have started him,' interposed Carroll. "'He won't refuse that challenge.' Vane accepted it with a smile, which meant more than good-humoured indulgence. "'Well,' he began, "'the sea's the same everywhere, unbridled, unchanging, a force that remains as it was in the beginning. Once you're out of harbour, under sail, you have done with civilization. It has possibly provided you with excellent gear, but it can do no more. You stand alone.' stripped for the struggle with the elements is it always a struggle evelyn asked to prompt him always the seas as treacherous as the winds that vex it pitiless murderous when you have only sail to trust to you can never relax your vigilance you must watch the varying drift of clouds and the swing of the certain tides there's nothing and nobody to fall back upon when the breeze pipes its challenge. You have sloughed off civilization and must stand or fall by the raw natural powers man is born with, and chief among them is the capacity for brutal labor. The thrashing sail must be mastered. The tackle crackling with the strain must be hauled in. Perhaps that's the charm of it for some of us whose lives are pretty smooth. It takes one back, as I said, to the beginning. But haven't human progress and machines made everybody's lives more smooth? Vane laughed somewhat grimly. Oh, no, I think that can never be done. So far, somebody pays for the other's ease. At sea, in the mine, and in the bush, man still grapples with a rugged, naked world. The girl was pleased. She had drawn him out, and she thought he had, in speaking, kept a fair balance between too crude a mode of colloquial expression and poetic elaboration. There was, she knew, a vein of poetic conception in him, and the struggle he had hinted at could only be described fittingly in heroic language. It was, in one sense, a pity that those who had the gift of it and cultivated imagine had, for the most part, never been forced into the fight. But that was perhaps not a matter of much importance. There were plenty of men, such as her companion, endowed with endurance, who, if they seldom gave their thoughts free rein, rejoiced in the struggle, and by them the world's sternest work was done. "'After all,' she said, 
we have the mountains in civilized england vane did not respond with the same freedom this time he was inclined to think he had spoken too unrestrainedly yes he agreed smiling you can walk about them where you won't disturb the grouse and they're grand enough but if you look down you can see the motor dust trails and the tourist coaches in the valleys but why shouldn't people enjoy themselves in that way i can't think of any reason no doubt most of them have earned the right to do so but you can't rip up those hills with giant powder where you feel inclined or set to work to root out some miles of forest the government encourages that kind of thing here and that's the charm yes said vane i suppose it is i'd better explain carroll broke in men of a certain temperament are apt to fall a prey to fantasies in the newer lands any common sense they once possessed seems to desert them after that they're never happy except when they're ripping things such as big rocks and trees to pieces and though they'll tell you it's only to get out minerals or clear a ranch they're wrong once they get the mine or ranch they don't care about it and set to work wrecking things again isn't that so mrs nairn they are such crazy bodies agreed the lady i know one or two but if i had my way with them they should find one mine or build one sawmill and then said carroll you would chain them up for good by marrying them i would like to try but i'm not sure it would act in every case i have come across some women as bad as the men they would drive their husbands on maybe and she smiled in a half wistful manner it's as well to do something worth the remembering when you are young there's a long time to sit still in afterwards half in banter and half in earnest they had given evelyn a hint of the master passion of the true colonist whose pride is in his burden afterwards mrs nairn led the conversation until carroll laid out in the saloon a somewhat elaborate lunch which he had brought from the hotel then the others went below leaving vane at the helm and carroll looked at him ruefully when they came up again i'm afraid miss chisholm's disappointed he explained no said evelyn that would be most ungrateful i only expected a more characteristic example of sea cookery after what mr vane told us a lunch like the one you provided with glass and silver struck me as rather an anachronism it's better to be broken into sea cookery gently vane interposed with some dryness it's a poor compliment to take it for granted that we're afraid of a little hardship besides i don't think you're right vane who left the helm to carroll went below and the latter smiled at evelyn he won't be long he informed her he hasn't got rid of his primitive habits yet vane came up satisfied in about ten minutes 
and glancing about him before he resumed the helm, noticed that it was blowing fresher, but it did not inconvenience the party, and as they ran homewards the breeze gradually died away. The broad inlet lay still in the moonlight when they crept across it with the water lapping very faintly about the bows, and it was over a mirror-like surface they rowed ashore. Nairn was waiting at the foot of the steps, and Evelyn walked back with him, feeling, she could not tell exactly why, that she had been drawn closer to the sloop's helmsman. End of chapter 22 Recording by Roger Moline.